The Voice of Value is supported by Heron Todd White. Hi, and welcome to The Voice of Value, an API podcast for property professionals, where we explore insights, issues, and opportunities across the property ecosystem. I'm Ben Dorrington, editor of the Australia and New Zealand Property Journal. And this week, we're speaking to James Rubin, the National Director of Special Use at M3 Property. And we're talking about service station valuations in Australia. Welcome, James. It's great to have you with us. Hi, Ben. Thanks very much for uh, having me on your show. Thank you. Now, tell us, can you tell us about your experience with service station valuations? Yeah, so... I uh, currently take care of service station valuations for our M3 property across the whole of the East Coast uh, and very occasionally over in Western Australia, <laughs> but I try not to, to fly too far from home. Uh, so we look at service stations as investments, so passive investments. We also look at leasehold interests, so the valuing the, the businesses and then freehold going concern. So businesses where they own the property and the business, and we value the whole thing. And we tend to uh, do our valuations for a variety of purposes, including mortgage purposes for banks, uh, and also for litigation purposes for setting market rents and, and a variety of other things that that usually, you know, valuations are, are done for. And what are the key features of a service station valuation? And I guess what external factors influence them as well? Yeah, so at, at its crux, service station valuations, much like the, the valuation of any, any property or any business, comes down to how much income you can generate from a particular asset or a particular site. So with uh, service stations, essentially, this in most cases boils down to how many litres of fuel you can sell. So if you have a petrol station uh, on a highway with tens of thousands of cars an hour driving past and you can sell 20 million litres of fuel a year there, it's going to be a lot more valuable than a service station in a quiet suburban area where you you can only sell 100,000 litres a month or something like that. Uh, So from our point of view, we we tend to analyse the performance of the service station in relation to the volume of fuel sales. Uh, so the um, service stations tend to have uh, multiple lines of of income or source income departments, I should say. Uh, so there's obviously your fuel sales, and that's how many liters and what margin you can make. Uh, and that margin is is very important. If you're making a profit of five cents a litre or you're making a profit of eight cents a litre, that's a, a significant difference in your income earning capacity. And then the other element is what you can sell in the service station shop or if you've got car servicing facilities or, or whatever else on, on your site. And we, again, look at that on a rate per, per litre. So we might look at a service station and say, well, this, this location is selling 10 million litres a year. Their margin, they're making whatever it is, five cents per litre on each litre that they sell. And then for every litre of fuel they sell, they seem to do 10 cents of sales in the shop. And we put that all together to see what, what we think that their sustainable 
net income would be. And like any other any other commercial asset, we then capitalize that income based on analysis of, of other sales. Okay. And what have you seen in uh, in recent times in terms of the uh, rising prices of fuel? Has that influenced uh, service station valuations? Yeah, it has. Uh, and it's been it's been a really interesting time. So traditionally, uh, if you go back many years, service stations used to make a little bit of money on their fuel sales and quite a lot on their shop sales. And over time, that ratio or that relationship has, has sort of changed and morphed. Um, and more recently, I suppose, and I don't know if you recall, at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, uh, the, there was a period of time there where oil prices dropped and they actually went negative for a little while, which the flow on effect from that was that wholesale fuel prices were very cheap. And uh, there was a little moment in time there where suddenly I could fill up my car for less than a dollar a litre, which personally I found very exciting. But that aside, what what was actually happening was those wholesale prices were going down. People were moving less, so there were lower volumes of fuel being sold. But the service station operators, typically they were they were maintaining their margins or in some cases improving their margins. And we saw service stations that were previously doing you know, a margin of they might make five cents a litre for fuel sales, all of a sudden they were making 10 or 12 cents a litre. And then as, as regular life resumed and volume started to increase again, what, what we typically saw was that those margins remained at those elevated levels. And we've now seen in our kind of post-COVID world that petrol stations, when they're selling fuel, they're, they're typically now we're regularly seeing certainly in like Sydney metro area, for example, um, nine or 10 cents a litre as a, as a margin on fuel. Whereas prior to the uh, to COVID, you know, back in 2019, we were seeing much, much lower margins than that. And with the fuel sale volumes having picked back up, what this has ultimately meant is that the operators are making a lot more money. Um, and that's flowed on, although it's a, a bit of a slower flow on because you, you've got to wait for leases to be rene renegotiated and whatnot. But that's ultimately flowed on to increases in in rent. Um, when we look at uh, the rental, the rental or market rents for service stations, we typically again link it back to fuel volumes. So what we would do is we have margins that we work at where we say, well, the rent for a service station should be equivalent to uh, one and a half or two cents per litre per annum that you can sell from that site, plus a margin on whatever we think you can do in the shop. And we tend to look at it on that basis, uh, which which seems to be the the most consistent the most consistent way. You know, we analyse our our rental transactions that way, and we apply that same methodology to uh, the service stations that we're valuing. Okay, interesting. And and how do service station valuations compare to valuations of other asset classes like offices or shopping centres? What's yeah, it's with with a lot of going concern type assets like service stations. You have a an intrinsic link between the business that you can operate from there and the value of the property. So if you take an office building, for example. If you have an empty office suite in, in a city somewhere, in, say in Martin Place in the CBD in Sydney, you advertise that for rent and your tenant could easily be a 
valuation firm or an accounting firm or a law firm. And all of these professional services, they have presumably slightly different you know, ways that they operate and different margins they operate at, and they compete in that market for that office space. Whereas if you've got a service station, in reality, the only real user of that property, if you've got bowsers and a canopy and a shop, is going to be a, a service station operator. So everyone's competing for the same, the same asset with the same type of type of business. Uh, so what happens is when we look at it from a valuation point of view, we really spend a lot of time understanding how a business would operate from that location and how it compares to other service station locations. Uh, typically. A lot of councils and communities that you know there's there's not a big appetite for construction of new service stations uh, and as a result it means that your comp you know your prospective competition is pretty limited and what we've seen is the opposite where service stations in in high value areas tend to be bowled over and turned into something else um, and so what you've got is you've got reducing competition um, and so we really look at how how a, a potential buyer might operate a business there uh, or how how well a tenant will operate uh, and then we look at that within a catchment you know where in comparison to other competing service stations how you know is this a good location is it a bad location would someone pay a premium to be here or not uh, and you know a lot of that comes down to traffic volumes and also the location of competing service stations so all of that kind of goes in together to look at, you know, that we we would we would consider when undertaking a valuation, which I suppose it's a, a narrower pool of of prospective users when you compare it to other types of assets. You know, a, a retail shop could be rented by anyone who wants to sell something from that shop service station. It's it's really, you know, either going to be bought or or rented and occupied ultimately by someone who wants to run a petrol station and sell fuel. Yeah, very niche, very niche group of tenants, right? Um, what are the issues and risks that uh, you should look out for with service station valuations? Yeah, so so the number one risk really is is the physical risk of contamination. So obviously you have petrochemical um, petrochemicals on site, uh, oils and and that kind of thing, and if they soak into the ground, you've got big problems. And more often than not, you have underground fuel tanks uh, and underground fuel infrastructure to deliver that fuel to vehicles. Uh, the, the latest technology that we see is all of the underground infrastructure is fiberglass. It's all double walled. So that's fuel lines, fuel tanks. They're all double walled fiberglass um, with, with seals in particular ways at joints and, and that kind of thing. Um, if you get leakage under underground, it can be a huge expense, huge expense to remediate that land. And particularly uh, where you're in inner city locations and you've often got small sites, you, if you have that contamination leaking over boundaries, we uh, we do from time to time see situations where, where uh, service station operators have to remediate not just their land, but the land of neighbouring properties. And if it's under a building or something like that, you know, that's, I mean, it can be an incredibly exorbitantly expensive exercise. Um, so that's really the, the primary risk. Um, all of the mortgage lenders that we deal with, you know, the major banks, they're, they're quite cognizant of that. 
Uh, so they ask us to go into when we do evaluation report, we we spend a bit of time putting in uh, quite a bit of detail in what type of underground fuel infrastructure there is, uh, who who if there's a lease, who under the lease is responsible for remediation. So often you find uh, some leases will say, for example, that when the lease term ends, the tenant needs to make good. And then when they vacate, they continue paying rent until they have a certification saying that the site isn't contaminated and is fit for continued use. Uh, and so in that, that sort of situation, that's great. You know, as a property owner, you would sit back and have very little concern, assuming they've got the, the tenant is a, a reasonable tenant with the kind of capital that can make sure that they ensure that. And, you know, they'll manage that themselves. In other situations, we see older service stations with steel tanks, which can be prone to rust and that kind of thing. Uh, and leases that say that it's up to the landlord to, to worry about contamination. And, and for those kind of things, you know, we're cognizant that it's a problem. Um, and mortgage lenders often will just, you know, some of the banks just blanket won't, won't lend to you if you've got a steel tank underground rather than fiberglass or, or whatever the, the situation is. So that's probably really the, the number one risk for these, these kinds of assets. Yeah, good to know. Um, and what about uh, valuing service station developments or, um, and, and how do they compare to valuations for existing buildings? What are you looking at? Yeah, so sites, I mean, finding prime sites is, is obviously always a, 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 a key goal of all, all service station developers. Um, I mean, typically, typically, if you can identify a, a good site, you want something with lots of passing traffic, with with not a lot of competition. Uh, we tend to see uh, a lot of developers focusing on highway locations where you might be in regional areas, low land values. Uh, they they buy those. You might have councils in those kind of locations that are more enthusiastic about new development. Um, with with a lower number of neighbors <laughs> as well um and typically it's the same kinds of metrics and approaches that you would take for any development so we would look at the site and we would undertake our, our homework to, to work out a, a gross realization and, and how much the the property would be worth at the end and then step through that that process of um as you would with a, a hypothetical development approach for, for any type of asset how, you know, all of the uh, building costs to get there, the development costs, et cetera, to, to end up with the residual land value. And uh, often what we find is it's it's usually a, a quite an effective use of of land where, you know, we look at um, a, lo a lot of our clients tend to have regional locations where they buy land very cheaply. Um, and then, you know, if it's a good site, they can be quite, quite highly competed for by uh, by tenants. And particularly if you've got, you know, a, a client that's that's managed to to source a a good agreement for lease with a good operator and then um, sign that all up, it can be quite exciting for us anyway. <laughs> we see the land value go from something quite low to to all of a sudden, you know, quite a valuable site with with those agreements in place. Yeah, good to know. I was also interested in. Um, you know the the rise of electric vehicles, and and if you're seeing any impact at all on on evaluations for service stations yet, yeah. So so it's it's interesting, and it's something that not just us, but I think everyone in the industry is sort of grappling with at the moment. 
Um, and we hear a lot of competing competing views from from various various people um, in the industry. It, it's it's a really interesting space, and I think I think the real answer is no one really knows what's going to happen in in due course. Uh, but I suppose at a very high level, the first thing is electrical charging infrastructure can be located anywhere. So when you're delivering petrochemical fuels, you've got to have a, a DA approved site to do that. Uh, a lot of people don't like to see new ones developed. Uh, and so you've got limited or typically constrained competition. You know, if you set up a petrol station, there's very high barriers and it's very difficult for someone to set up a competing petrol station across the road. Whereas with electrical charging infrastructure, if you uh, can charge a car at your house or in the basement of your shopping centre, or in some cases on a public street, then all of a sudden there's very little, very little space really for a designated charging station in a in a petrol station or service station. Uh, so it, it's kind of interesting. It'll change the the competition profile in that regard. But that said, a lot of the um, a lot of the the large service station players are still we still see them entering long-term leases they're entering long-term supply agreements with the with the oil companies uh you know and and so there's there's still a large element that think well you know there, there's still a space for for service stations uh and i think i think what we what we're going to see is other fuel technologies taking up that space so in particular i think the, the front runner there is probably hydrogen and there's already uh, around Australia. If you if you if you're interested and you follow it on on link, LinkedIn, you can search hydrogen service stations. You'll see there's there's a there's many many uh, petrol stations that you know proudly announce, oh, we're now selling hydrogen. Uh, the take up of that, I think, we we yet to see, and I don't know exactly where that's that's going to uh, to land. Um, but I will say. I think a lot of those hydrogen delivery systems are backed by oil companies <laughs> who have, you know, deep pockets and, and an interest in making sure people, you know, that infrastructure is available and, and whatnot. Um, so it'll be a, an interesting space to see um, whether there's, I suppose, whether there's, you know, 20 years from now, is, is there a need for designated service stations um, to deliver to, to, to deliver fuel to, to vehicles or not and and what sort of form that takes. Um, but yeah, I, as I said, I mean, to date, we certainly haven't seen in the demand for petrol stations um, from both investors, from tenants and that kind of thing, it's been unwavering. So so if there are impacts coming, I think the market is yet to, to, to take those into account. Interesting, okay. Um, I'm interested in what's the most interesting valuation that you've you've had, you've worked on, or maybe you've heard of in, in this space. Yeah, so I suppose the the most interesting ones for service stations are typically the ones where you have uh, um, large volumes of fuel and and a diverse diverse range of of income. So uh, probably probably one of the more interesting ones we did a, a highway service center where. It was a uh, uh, on 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 uh, a major highway on the east coast of Australia with large volumes of of vehicles being being both trucks and and uh, cars, and the nature of that property 
they had about six or seven income sources, which ranged from fuel. They actually had a charging station as well. Uh, but they also had tenants in there, which were large major franchises. So we're talking about like McDonald's and KFC, these kinds of quick service retail food food outlets. But all of those by nature had in, in this particular facility, very, very low base rents and a large portion of their income being percentage rents. So we we, we actually had to understand, well, how many how many hamburgers are people buying through here when they when they stop, you know, to fill up with fuel? And that had a very, very material impact on the value because it had such a significant impact on the income. Uh, so that was probably quite a, quite an interesting and an unusual one. Um, you know, in, in this kind of uh, special use space, we we tend to get excited about the the unusual and quirky quirky valuations we, we come across that require a little bit more um, a little bit more. Uh, brain brain power to 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 think about and decode. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it, are um percentage uh, incomes like turnover? Just but just so I just is that like turnover? Yeah. Incomes? So so this particular yeah this particular facility was based on there was the the service station component had a uh, um had a base rent of X dollars a year and then a uh, rent set at so many cents per litre that they sold. I see. So looking at that, we had to project out, well, you know, we did a, a DCF on that. And we had to project out, well, over the next 10 years, how much fuel are they really going to sell? You know, are they going to yeah. do how many millions of litres a year are they going to do? And it had a real impact on on the, um, the potential income that a, a buyer could expect to get from that. And then they had similar arrangements with all of the all of the retail outlets. So it was very low base rents and then a percentage of, of sales or food sales or, or whatnot on the way through. So we were looking at, you know, projecting out where we thought retail volumes would be going based on traffic that was passing through and, and how, how much traffic we thought would, would grow over the next 10 years there or or, or not grow as, as the case wow. might be. Um, <laughs> so it was kind of a, you know, it was quite an interesting exercise to do. There's so many variables. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's. I mean, we do get, uh, which which is quite interesting. We do get from time to time really, really cluey operators, particularly particularly operators um, where we do uh, going concern valuations, and we're looking at the business. And um, I'm thinking of I had one client uh, recently who had had for a long time a supply agreement with BP, which. When when you operate a service station as a as a franchisee or as an independent operator, you have an option to 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 sign into a supply agreement with an oil company, and they allow you to brand their service station and and whatnot. They brand your service station, but you you must buy the fuel, the wholesale fuel from them. And I had a, a client recently who had several several uh, of these, and then he'd he'd uh, become independent, so he decoupled himself from from those oil companies and effectively had his own branding, but allowed himself that freedom so that each week or whatnot, he could ring up, you know, the various oil companies and 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 try and find the cheapest wholesale fuel. So one week it might be, you might be buying from Mobile and the next week from Shell or who, who, whoever whoever it was. But, um, you know, that, that's kind of interesting because from a valuation point of view, when we were looking at the business, his margins were much better because he had a much more control over his wholesale costs. 
Mm. Oh wow! Um, so there's kind of these these sort of things. I mean, for for us, we we sort of tend to get into the nitty gritty when we when we look at these things. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, and and finally, looking forward, I guess how might service station valuations change in the future, or what sort of trends do you think will influence them in the future? Yeah, it's so interestingly, I think overall, um, in terms of values, I and mean, we've seen a huge amount of value growth in that sector. Um, and looking at, at yields, you know, for a long time, service stations sort of tracked with industrial property yields for, for many years. Uh, and then all of a sudden, about three or four years ago, uh, um, all of a sudden, the yields just suddenly started to tighten. Um, and we saw them we saw them compress a lot further than industrials and industrial yields obviously have been compressing over the last few years, but but we saw service stations compress a lot more, you know, and and we saw recently, you know, over the last 12 months, there's been there's been sales of service stations with, you know, with good lease terms and, and long-term operators in in prime locations for yields of, you know, 2% and 2.5%, which is unbelievably tight. Um, we're yet to see what the impacts are of recent rate rises, and and more interestingly, the the 10-year bond rate, you know, which is now well over four percent. Um, whether whether some of those buyers might be scratching their heads, thinking, well, I can risk-free, I could have had a four percent return, or I'm, I'm locked in with with fixed increases here for the next 20 years, and I've paid two percent for it. Um, so whether there's some, I, I mean, my my gut feel, and I don't. I, I suppose time will tell, but my gut feel is that we're we're in for some yield softening in that space. Um, but I mean, I think I think the that for certainly the the short to medium term, they're they're probably still a a, a good performing asset. The reality is, people need to fill up with fuel somewhere to to keep the the country going. So so there's sort of a, a fairly consistent level of demand. I mean, longer term. I think it's inevitable that there, there, there's going to have to be some structural change. Um, but like anything, if you, you know, for, for people buying these assets, if they're focusing, which they tend to, on um, the location and the site, you know, the reality is you're buying something that might be an income stream for 10 years. But if it's well located and it's got an, uh, a, a good underlying zoning that allows for sensible alternative development, the reality is that you know, at some at some future date, it, it will be a development site. You know, um, I mean, there's, there's there's other other interesting other interesting uses that these might be put to as well, which are kind of, I suppose, a lateral thinker might think, well, you know, they might make good last mile delivery hubs for you know delivery of groceries, noting that, that a lot of those service stations are owned by by coals, you know. I mean, so there are kind of other other potential more abstract uses they might be put to. But I think I think the headline is that for the time being, I mean, we're likely to see a, a little bit a little bit of, of yield softening from from where we are. But I think the the fundamentals are that for at least the, the medium term, they're probably still still going to be a, a reasonably performing asset. You know, if you're you're looking at ones that are well located and, and well operated. Good to know. Well, uh, thank you so much for your time, James. Yeah, that's okay. It's uh, It's been a pleasure speaking, Ben. Uh, and thank you for listening to The Voice of Value. Please join us again for future episodes. You can find all of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other platforms. 
The Voice of Value is supported by Heron Todd White.